Welcome to My Journey, the podcast for individuals who are seeking to write their own stories while creating more healthy life along the way. My name is Brian Pickowitz. This is My Journey. And now it's time to start yours. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to My Journey. I am your host, Brian Pickowitz, and I want to welcome you all to episode number 36 of our podcast. So today's episode is going to be a lot of fun, and I have a special guest here. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Could you guys guess that it was anybody else? It's me. It's Lindsay O'Brien's fiance. He is my fiance as well. We're going to be diving into some really interesting topics together on this podcast. We wanted to come together for an episode and bring you guys. Do you want to tell them? Yeah. So I think that we were talking about relationships and we've been really fascinated with relationships lately, Um, especially as moving to Dallas. I think that being in a position where we moved from New Hampshire to Los Angeles, lived there for two years, now we're in Dallas building this new life. It's been prevalent and I've been focusing on connections and relationships lately and it seemed like the right time to have a discussion about our own personal relationship and some of the challenges and breakthroughs that we've had over the last few years. Yeah, so we really wanted to dive into, we wanted to make it fun. So we tried to brainstorm and think of the the top five most challenging moments or um, experiences that we've had together and kind of we really spent some time talking about how we worked through them ourselves because the only way that we can really explain to you guys uh, what these challenges are to explain our own experiences and then you can take whatever you want from them into your relationships. Especially looking at it from the standpoint of these are things that most couples struggle with or challenge with or don't address at all. For Lindsay and I, we focus on full lifestyle development for each of our clients. Now, Lindsay, you're obviously in a position where it's like confidence for women who are 20 to 30 or vice versa. You know, maybe that age demographic is different. And for me, it's really helping people revitalize their life, especially when they're in a position where they need to show up more powerfully and more confident in their space. And I usually focus on helping people who are in their 40s to 50s. it's about a whole lifestyle change though. And one of the things that happens in that lifestyle is that relationships are in conflict to growth. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of times where, whether that's an intimate relationship or a personal connection or a working relationship, there's different facets of this conversation that are going to come into play Mm -hmm. and that are going to come into play that might hold you back or stop you from growing. And so, the best way that we can do this is really show you the five examples. It's kind of like an arc of transformation really that has led us to the position where we're able to connect deeply and have a meaningful and happy relationship as we're going into our season of wedding. Our season of wedding. Yeah, we're getting ready. Wedding season. Next year. Um, for, we won't tell them the date yet. No, that's not important. No, no, no. So we, we want to break down at least like the top five for you as an overview so that you know what to expect. And then we'll break down each one. Um, Cause you might, the, the final piece might be more important to you than the first piece and you'll know where to skip around. So the first thing we'll dive into is talking about ambition. And when one part of the couple has a really big goal or something that they want to achieve and the other is maybe holding them back or vice versa. Um, and then number two, do you want me to just talk about these or you can go? I'll jump in. So number two is going to be addressing insecurities and that's going to come through your personal feelings towards situations. For us, it's going to come through business exchanges and just different 
identity shifts that you're going to have to make in order to address whatever insecurities that are coming to the surface that are causing you to act out against your partner or someone who's in your relationship with you. And number three for us has been talking about values and faith, religion, like how that really comes into play in our relationship and um, how that has just been a big challenge as far as how to converse about it in a um, and not a neutral way, like a non-charged way, which mm-hmm. I, I guess could be considered neutral, but I think you guys know what I mean. And then we're going to address doubts. So when you have doubts about your relationship, when you have doubts about getting married, when you have doubts about your future, how do you address those things without hurting the other person, without being vic- victimized, but also without really putting someone in a position where they feel like they're being attacked or mm-hmm. they're being left behind? And that's, I think, something that so many people struggle with from a standpoint of they don't want to address the doubt because they feel like it's, it's it like, if, well, if I look at it, then that's a problem. Yeah. And if I look at the fact that maybe I don't see my future with them or this is the reason why, it makes it really difficult to step forward. And it's almost a guilty feeling. And we've been able to address those in our relationship and it's, it's helped. So we're going to address doubts as number four, doubt slash marriage slash long-term relationship and then number five which is always the fun fan favorite so talking about sex and intimacy Mm. with each other Mm. (laughs) yeah everyone's gonna love that yeah so stay tuned for the end of this if that's really what you're fascinated by but we're gonna dive in with well can i jump in yeah you can jump in so i want to articulate that too because the sex and intimacy part is not just it's really about connection okay and well the reason why i say that is because because we're not just going to talk about the sex part. True. We're probably not going to talk about that at all. <laughs> it's really about building a connection, which happens through intimacy. Yeah. So I think that that's a more powerful way to like think about it and step in that position. So if you're someone who's longing for that connection, number five is going to reach for you. Yes, this is true. So do you want to dive into the first one? Yeah, this is a little more personal. Um, I feel like this one starts with me. So the first part is ambition. So how do you address ambition? When you're challenged with ambition, when you're really wanting to go into a different direction in your life, how do you address that with your partner? And the reason why this is so vital to this conversation is because for so many people, they feel victimized by their partner. They feel like they can't go for more things they feel like they can't be ambitious or if they start to be ambitious there's underlying insecurity with their partner or their friends or their family that's holding them back and this is something that Lindsay and i have had to address in our own space multiple times and it's always kind of and i I hate to put you on the spot but it's always kind of been the opposite it's not like it's a mutual thing it's always been i've felt that Lindsay has um not necessarily seen the same vision that I have. And that's felt made me feel like that maybe she didn't respect my ambition. And it's, it was something that we really had to work through at the beginning of our relationship. And that came through because there was no such thing as an online fitness coach in 2015. And when I graduated college, I started doing this full time on my own. And I was still trying to figure out like how to make a successful business out of this like how do you make money doing this how do you actually build a product and how do you scale and i was figuring out the steps and even though Lindsay never like you never necessarily doubted me you didn't believe fully in what i was doing and there was a lot of 
a lot of times where I felt unsupported and I felt like I was alone. And so I think that that was such a big challenge for us was being able to see that there's a level of faith that goes into supporting each other, mm-hmm. regardless of what it is and what it looks like, that once you make that first breakthrough, then it starts to steamroll because now we're connected. Now we talk about things like you have your women's event that's going to happen in the next couple months. And I'm so excited for you and I want to build you up and the different things that I am addressing, like you want to build me up. But I think it, this is when we first started dating. It was such a challenge. I have to specify that it's when we first started dating. Yes. And all I knew as the opposite side of the couple was straightforward path through college into corporate world, into the top of corporate world and becoming a boss in that way. And so it was, we were, Brian and I were talking about this before, or I should speak to you. You and I were talking about this before and I never felt like I wasn't supporting you. I just felt like I was being realistic, Mm -hmm. which was totally like the world that was my reality at the time was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like you need to actually make money. Like you need to actually get a job. So it was like, my approach was like, well, you can't keep like playing around. Like if this doesn't take off, then you need to actually go like support yourself and you need to move and you need to go like start your career. And in my eyes at the time, it was just practical versus like, I didn't feel like emotionally I wasn't supporting you. So it's like, I think, I wonder, actually, I don't think, I wonder if couples, like, if because it wasn't that I was insecure about making my own money. I was just like, I want you to come. I was thinking that you weren't ambitious because you were, like, waiting for something to happen. So I wonder if there's ever, like, if couples that are one side is not supportive, if they think that that person who's ambitious is just unrealistic mm. or unambitious. And it's like, that's an interesting flip of the script. Because what I ended up having to do was, well, really you proved it, which never is the case anymore. Like you don't have to prove yourself to me anymore. I know if you want something, you're gonna make it happen if you really want it. But at the time it took him proving himself to me and then me having undying support for him. So it's interesting. I think this is fascinating because the way I proved it. So what really was happening in this space is you were getting outside feedback on how successful I was and what was going to happen because our connection was our connection. And then you would go and speak to other people and they would say like, Oh, well he can't keep doing this or like, it's not going to work out. And so, so as a couple, once I told you like how much money I had made, how, how successful things are going. And you went and told those other people like in, in a casual conversation, like, Oh, well, this is how it's doing the, the feeling of me having to prove myself to you dissipated. And so what I would say is if someone's like, let's say you want to start a diet or you, you want to start a business or whatever, and your husband or your wife is like, oh, well, I don't really want to change my habits. And I would honestly say based off of working with so many clients, it's usually the husband that doesn't want to change. Like it's usually that like women want to, and this is totally a generalization based off of what we've experienced, but usually the the women want to change. And then the husband's like, Oh, well, why do you have to eat that way? I don't want to do that. Like, whereas if it's like the husband wants to change, I find that the women are typically more supportive. So 
either way, whatever is happening in that space, I think it comes down to actually explaining why you want to do it. Like most people are like, oh, I just want to lose weight. I just want to get healthy. And mm -hmm. it makes the other person feel attacked because they feel vulnerable because they don't have the same ambition or they're afraid or they're afraid it's something about them. Like, well, why do you want to lose weight so you can be more attractive? And then this creates this whole value system of insecurity. And you have to have an honest conversation about what is happening. And you have to be able to trust in that person rather than anything else, especially when it's something like business or money or personal development, because you don't know what that person is going through. And you're the only actually contact point as their spouse and a significant other who can actually support them in that meaningful, deep way. Whereas if it's, you know, a friend or your parents and you're getting that information and then giving it back to them based off of that energy. So like for you, it was your mom. And then that trickled into the way you felt about the situation. And then that trickled into me. And then once you kind of broke that mental barrier of feeling like you needed approval or you need to explain to someone, then you and I could step forward. And that, that allowed us to really become ambitious together because you weren't afraid of judgment anymore. Yeah, that's true. In our scenario, I was going, I had a thought about this. Um, another, another piece of that, that is important is not only because uh, it's like, it could take a long time to prove yourself. And if that was what you were trying to do, like as if I were to go back and do it again, for example, I wouldn't be waiting for you to prove it to me, like, oh, go make money. It would be, well, what, what's your plan and how are you going to do that? Which I do remember asking you a few times, like, when are you going to move? What are you going to do when you move? Like all those things. But um, I think just being willing to hear the other person too is what mm -hmm. I would be more willing to do if I went back and did it again. Cause I wasn't willing to hear you cause you were just like, ah, well, I will move out like at some point. And I didn't give you a chance to really like elaborate. I was like, well, when, when, when like push, push, push. Yeah. And so, you, so Lindsay tried to make me get a job as a bouncer. That's true. And or a bartender, and a bartender in my college town. Yep. So I was like, you, Brian, you need to make money. You're like not doing anything. <laughs> and, which I will willingly admit because I didn't understand it. Cause in 2015 in New Hampshire, in tiny town, there was nothing remotely close to online coaching anywhere that I'd ever heard of. So, yeah. But anyway, so to well, round that out. Well, so, uh, <laughs> well the, the reason why I say that is because there was a pushback, like from you to push me in a different direction. Yes. And once you stopped doing that, like once you're like, okay, well, I get it. Then you and I could be connected. Yeah. And so what advice would you give someone who's in this position and they are trying to support someone and they're not sure how to do that? So like they're trying to change their diet habits. They're trying to get in shape. They want to start doing different, you know, parts of their personal growth and development. They want to start a business. Like what would you advise them to do as a spouse or as someone who's not understanding that ambition? Well, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing that I just said. So being able to actually hear them is a, you can interpret that however you want, but you know, if you're not really listening to somebody, if you're not, or if you're listening, but you're not really hearing them, mm. then you might just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But what are you really going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. Well, when can you expect to see X, Y, Z? It's like, that's not really hearing them. 
because if somebody, if you're willing to hear someone, you'll be able to tell why they're doing it and you're going to be able to tell that it's important to them and that should be enough for you to support them. And can you bet? Yeah. The person who's also ambitious needs to explain what they're ambitious about in their plan. True. Like they need to actually back it up because you can't just expect someone to trust you forever. Blindly support you. I mean, now I blindly support you without a plan, but if you ever have something that you want to do that doesn't have a plan, I'm like, yeah, you can do that. You got it. <laughs> I have a track record apparently. <laughs> well, but the thing is, is like, you can't just like, oh, well, I want to start this. Yeah. And then, okay, let's go do that. And then you're like, oh, well, kick the can down the road. Like if, if you're ambitious enough to own what you want and, and put that out there to your spouse or to your significant other for support, then you have to be the person who's actually pushing yourself out of that comfort zone and you have to address any of your insecurities that would stop you. That's true, because otherwise you'll lose that person's trust. So if you say you're going to do it, and then you don't. Mm -hmm. So leading into number two. Perfect segue. Yeah. So talking about insecurities, this will be an interesting one because there's so we all have so many. Like, and I think most people think of insecurities and they're like, oh, well, like the first thing that comes to mind, I feel like is physical. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just for women. But it's like, oh, well, what's your physical, what are your physical insecurities? Like everybody has insecurities. Everybody hates this part of their body. But I think it goes way deeper than that in the stuff that we've dealt with. Yeah, absolutely. Personally. Well, so where do we even start? I would say that the starting point is Los Angeles. Like, well, when they think, when insecurity started to manifest, because mm. you don't have, ah, because you see the surface level stuff in somebody that they're insecure about. But once you like live with someone and you're with them all the time or in a challenging situation that you're both in, like us moving to a different environment, then all the insecurities come out. And you're on an island. Yes. And then you kind of, and then that's, I feel like we didn't have a fight for like, we had like one fight in a year and a half. And then once we moved to LA, then we actually had like fights like most couples would anyway, yeah. but which is good. But do we want to start with talking about just an example? Well, I or... think that the articulation is that there's insecurities that allow you to create defense mechanisms. So when we talk about insecurities, it's like, what is the underlying feeling that's making it so that you feel like you have to act this way towards someone else? Mm -hmm. And when you're comfortable, you can move around those insecurities. Like, okay, well, we're both on this comfortable path. Like, I don't really have to talk about my feelings. Like, things are smooth. Like, and that's what we had in New Hampshire. Like, yeah. I, had, I had started to crush it in business. I had competed. You had competed. Things seemed to be, like, all this momentum. And then we moved to Los Angeles, and then all of a sudden it came to a halting, screeching slam. Like, I mean, just being completely honest, like, we were in a position where we had built a six-figure company we had built a business that was doing extremely well. And then we moved to Los Angeles. There was months where we were barely making enough to pay rent. And I would even say that there, I mean, obviously I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we weren't even making enough for paying rent. Like we were having months where like you would pull in, no, you would pull in like, like no new clients. And then I would pull in like one or two because we didn't know ourselves enough yeah. to be self-aware on what we were actually ambitious about. And, if it, I, like you look at old YouTube videos of like me when I had my long hair, I just, I look at those videos and I'm like, wow, like, who was I? Like I, you can see like, I'm so anxious in my eyes because I was thinking like I had to 
support us. And I felt guilty about bringing you into it. And I felt guilty about throwing you off. And now I'm addressing like, oh, now I feel like a failure. And then the insecurities of why you feel like a failure are there because you haven't addressed the actual like history you have with those insecurities. And so when you're put into a position where you're in a discomforting situation, insecurities flourish because yeah. then you're reminded like, oh yeah, you, and you have those negative thought patterns. Like, yeah, I told you you couldn't do it. Or like, yeah, you, of course you, of course it goes this way for you because you suck. Yeah. And that is where I think the insecurities start to really blossom. So yeah, let's go into like the personal aspects of it that stand out to you. Like, well, so well, what, what, what points, cause let's wrap it around like July to December in 2016. That's when we moved, or 2017, when we moved. Um, what stands out in your mind of like moments of insecurity or feelings that that led to so much anxiety between us or the fighting? I, I, it's like my, my initial thing is like wanting to be like, well, you did this and you did that. Um, because it's like, I think, I think it's, it'd be easier for you, for you to call me out because I can't think of any off the top of my head that I felt insecure about, like mm. in the moment. Cause I was like, I mean, everything was uncertain, but that's different than insecure. Cause I felt very secure in my body. I felt very secure in my path at the moment. It's like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I think eh, any insecurity that I felt was more of a manifestation of like doubts of like miscommunication with you and frustration and like build up of that versus I think the way that you handled your insecurities were different than mine. So I think you should start and talk about what your typical path is when you're insecure about something like your, your habit that you've gotten way better at. So I'm on the spot. You're on the spot. <laughs> so what, what stands out in my mind is, so you and I, we moved from New Hampshire to Los Angeles. We had this online business and we were starting to train and coach clients. And I was in a position where I always was really intentional about trying to change people's hearts and thoughts. And when we moved to Los Angeles, we got so wrapped up in comparison. So like there's an insecurity of finances because all of a sudden all these people that you see are, are making millions of dollars and they have the life and they have the Instagram following and you're like, well, who the hell am I? Cause I don't have those things. And you feel so insecure about those things. You may feel insecure about your body because now you're at gold's gym training around the best bodybuilders in the world. And you're like, well, I don't look like that. And then you start to assimilate like, Oh, because they have a body like that, that's why they look, that's why they have all these things. And then you also go down the rabbit hole of, well, you're surrounded by people who a lot of the people we were connected with were getting things from like their parents or their parents were taking care of them and paying their rent. And you and I have no safety net because that's not our life. And so like as a, as a poor kid who grew up without any money, it's like, oh, see, I told you it would always be like this. And so like, there's all these like insecurities that get wrapped up into your identity. And what that does is you you can do one of two things. What I did is I stopped keeping the patterns that were allowing me to work for those things. So I stopped meditating. 
I stopped journaling. I stopped visualizing my goals. I stopped doing all the habits and patterns that were allowing me to feel like I had control. Mm -hmm. And I just focused so much on the external that I lost myself. And so what would happen was as I was going through this process of like all these insecurities stacking, I had no one to, what really comes down to, if I'm being honest, is I had no one to blame it on but myself. Mm-hmm. And I had no one to address it with because we were both alone. We had no friends. We had no family out there. We would talk to people back home, but they didn't really understand. And, and when you're depressed or anxious, you tend to put yourself on an island mm-hmm. in itself. So you became the target of my insecurities. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I addressed like that I felt insecure, that I had the issues and that I had to be able to communicate that with you, we could solve the problem. And I think that that takes extreme ownership mm-hmm. to say like, holy shit, yes. I'm, I'm a mess. And that's that, not your fault. Yeah, it was, it was an extreme mess. Um, you have to take ownership. You have to take the ownership and the responsibility to change it. Because you can own something without taking responsibility. Like, oh, I own that I am that way. But to take responsibility means you are stepping into a position where you're willing to fix it. Yeah, to change it in your own. And, and well, I was going to say, lastly, that you need to be able to be, you have to risk being vulnerable. Yes, and being, it's, it's, well, it's hard to dissolve your ego. Like, the big one that stands out for me, because I wasn't necessarily... I don't know. I'm not, I wouldn't be, I wasn't insecure in the ways that most people I think would associate insecurity as like a definition. But when it came to competitiveness with you, like I'd be so rooting you on, but then if I started to do better, like financially or business wise, and then you did better, I'd be like jealous because that meant that if Brian was getting more attention, I wasn't worthy of attention. Or if you did something really great or made a friend, like I needed to make a friend because that meant I was getting left alone. And that's like my own insecurity that would be manifesting itself. And I don't think I ever really brought that out Mm -hmm. into the space, but it was still something that I told, that I felt that caused added tension in those scenarios. It was like, yay, good job. Uh, Now I need to go like take care of myself, but it wasn't like a, yeah, it was interesting because it, it definitely added to the overall aura that builds up to those tensious fights. Like if I'm thinking of other couples, like there's there's such a, there can be such a lack of communication, so many insecurities that are there that build up and build up and build up. And then something small might come and snap, which I think would be more of what happened to us. Like you have insecurities that would cause tension in your soul and then they'd build up. And then they manifest as, or project as you blaming me, like, this is your fault. And you did this, you did that. Mm. Well, and I think it's, that's a two way street too, because I would like, I remember there's multiple times where like, I would say like, well, like, that's why I'm saying this. And then you would project like why I was saying that off of your own insecurities of why I was saying that. Like there was multiple times where I'd be like, well, like, I can't even think of it. Usually it would happen when we were driving. Like I'd say, I would say like, oh, well, this is what happened here. And you would say, well, it's that way because of this. And you'd start to get really defensive. Yeah. I guess my insecurities manifest as defensiveness. Mm. They're never like, they're never a, they are a blaming, but it's never like an aggressive thing. It's more of like me aggressively trying to 
I guess, rationalize <laughs> why things happen. So whenever I have an insecurity about something, I'm like, oh, well, I didn't do that. Like, that's what it is. That's how it manifests for me. It's like, well, I, I wasn't, it was my fault. Like, nope, I wouldn't blame it on somebody else necessarily, but I would always be like, well, that's not my fault. Sorry. Yeah. I can just be really like, <laughs> well, so then on that, then what would you say is the best way for someone to address the insecurities that they're having, whether that's insecurities that are manifesting internally, because an internal insecurity is really what becomes the external insecurity. Mm -hmm. Like if I am insecure about myself, that's going to cause conflict with you because you are the reflection that I'm putting that insecurity onto mm -hmm. and vice versa. So like what, what were helpful things that you did to address that insecurity? I think, Oh, I, I could definitely tie this in with a few different things. So to address the insecurity, you definitely have to own it. Of course, like you have to actually identify like what you're insecure about because nobody can tell you because you're going to push them away. So for me, if you're like, well, you always blame everybody else. I'd be like, well, no, I don't. And so if I can sit down and actually like pull that apart and figure out like, do I actually blame other people? then I can actually start to rework that habit and notice every time that I'm doing it. So it's like actually taking, taking action to change it is the best way that I can put it. So if you're insecure about your body and therefore you're acting out as a jealous couple or jealous partner, then you need to address your own insecurity about your own body and then go change it. But that's a really hard thing to do. Like that might might have made people like cringe if that's how they actually feel when they're listening to this. But if you can actually go and address that and take the opposite action, that will that tension will disappear because you're addressing your own self. Can't you, Ben? Yeah, that was the end of my statement. Well, I would also say it's an internal game too. So it's not just enough. Like if you're feeling insecure about your body. And let's say you're feeling insecure about your body and then your spouse wants to go and start working out and they're like, Oh, I'm going to start working out. And you're like, Oh, well, I'm already feeling insecure about this relationship. I'm already feeling insecure about myself. I want to sabotage them even if it's self subconsciously because I don't want to lose them or I'm feeling insecure about losing them or I'm feeling insecure because they're not having communication or whatever that thing is. The first thing is to talk about it. Okay. like to address it right like i think that most people just kind of like sweep it under the rug and maybe it's addressing it when i say talk about it, it's addressing it with your partner like hey here's how i'm feeling this way and i just want to be honest with you and i just want to be vulnerable and can we i think that the biggest thing that we would always say is can we have a conversation about this mm -hmm. rather yeah, than like yeah, yeah can we talk about this yeah. so like we would go off and like spend 10 minutes alone and then come back together and talk about it mm -hmm. But you also, when I say talking about it and addressing it, is address it internally first. Like, why am I actually feeling this way? Yeah. What's going on? And then you can move forward. And I think that that kind of manifests into you. Our next piece, which is really addressing the values and aspects of faith, because that was a huge insecurity in and of itself for both of us. Yeah. And so I'll let you take the wheels on that. Yeah, well, to address the insecurity part of this so that it makes sense, so I was raised very fiercely Christian and in a very religious setting. So lots of rules and like anything you'd think of when it comes to like a religion. And I'm not that way anymore. I have like a direct faith in my creator, but it's very personal. It doesn't have a bunch of rules attached. It's not like I 
am taking the Bible literally, like anything like that, it's very, it's become much more of a personal endeavor for me. So anytime that anybody would make fun of a Christian belief, a religion, like anything to do with remotely close to what I believe in, I felt extremely insecure about that because I am not, I grew up that way and was made fun of. And now I'm no longer in the same way. But whenever that would come up, I would feel really insecure. So to branch into how that relates to a relationship, Brian would, I don't know if you want to take this. I don't want to explain it. Well, I think, if, I think if you're going to talk about your religious stance and I need to talk about mine. Um, is that all right? Oh, well, yeah. I wanted to give a little bit of background just so it made sense. Well, but if you're going to give your background, I think it, okay, that's fine. it's contextually off if they think that I'm just going to be spouting out that's about faith and understanding my values. Um, and I was also raised in a, in a Christian and Baptist setting. And as a political science I mean, I started out, I studied, I have a minor in political science, but I spent actually the majority of my time in college studying politics and philosophy and religion. So I have a lot of grounding in understanding like where these all stem from, from a personal level. And I always felt like people at times will use religion or faith as a reason to not take action or it's corruptible, just like politics and just like anything else that's systematic, it's corruptible. And so my personal faith is that there is a, there is a God and that people have innate values that they're supposed to live by. And I don't always see that religions or people of faith live out the principles that they're supposed to based off of what the Bible or their religious teachings actually say. And so I witnessed a lot of people in my life, um, in my family and in different aspects of my life, they would, instead of taking action on their own problems, they would say, well, God's gonna take care of us. Or like they, they, they would almost become weak and feeble and they would stop taking action to help improve their situation because from a younger man's standpoint, they believed that God was going to help them. And that always caused me to be resentful and bitter towards people who had faith because I felt like, well, you, know, you have to change it yourself. And I had a pattern recognition of people who did that. So that was kind of my insecurities on that belief pattern too. So Brian would always make jokes about, and it's, it's fine, we can be candid. Um, Brian would always make jokes about like, oh, Sally Joe going to church or like, I'm not, I don't know what Ed jokes he'd actually make, but they were just like little things, not a big deal. But because I had an insecurity there, I would get really defensive and I would get angry and I'd get upset, all of the, the emotions. And over time, those things built up to the point where I was like, if you don't have any respect for my faith, we aren't going to get married. And we had to have a really hard conversation at one point because I started to really own that fact because I said, I, I was like, we can't raise children together if you don't respect and be open to the idea of faith. Because I thought that he had zero faith and he thought it was stupid that I did based on those, that insecurity, those comments, like. Well, and it was also based off your own insecurity. That's what I said. Okay. Well, I, I wanted to articulate that that was yours, not mine. 
Yes, my own insecurities. Um, yeah, so any of his comments would make would trigger that insecurity and would make me feel that he didn't care about what I believed in and that he would never have a faith of his own. And so we ended up having to have this really hard conversation, which leads us to the, which is number three. Well, talking about values and faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about because, that. Because, yeah, because we, I ended up, I don't remember why it came up, but I, I was really off because it was on my mind a lot. And then I just ended up being, having the, the gall to say, I'm really bothered that you have no faith and you make fun of mine and I can't marry you if we're in the conflict like this. And that was like the scariest statement to make of our entire relationship, probably, probably up there as top five, but definitely the scariest thing because I was like, he could easily just say, okay, that sucks. Sorry. And we'd be done right there. Or the positive could be that he understood. So I was willing to put that out there as that thing. I don't know. We might as well just tell the story. Well, yeah. So what, what it really comes down to though, is whenever I would say something like, Oh, like, this is how I feel about religion. Like you would always interpret it as me attacking your faith. Yes. And those two things in my mind are totally separate because one's an institution and one's a per like one's a, one's an institutionalized view of thinking and one's an internal belief that there's something better in the world. Mm -hmm. And for me, it wasn't that I never had faith. It was that I was grappling with it and, and I hadn't figured it out, but it wasn't void of it. I wasn't like, I wasn't an atheist and I wasn't in a position where I didn't believe in anything. I, I, I wasn't a nihilist by any means. And it always frustrated me because we would have these conversations and we would talk about it. And I would always be like, that's not how I feel. Like I'm saying this thing about this thing, but it has nothing to do with your faith. And you had associated based off of everything that you had experienced that one and the two were the same. No, not necessarily. It wasn't that I was really, I thought that you were by making jokes, calling me religious when I thought they were separate. Like I thought that you were putting them together. I didn't understand that mm. you were seeing them as separate. That makes more sense. Yes. To clarify, to clarify. So, well, yeah, so <laughs> what ended up happening was we went through, I had my contest in October of 2017, and then you had your national contest in November 2017 in Miami, and we ended up staying for an extra couple of days in Miami, and we ended up just actually staying in an Airbnb and laying there and talking about religion and faith and values for the next two hours, two mm -hmm. or three hours. And why we believe what we believed and what all was underlying all of that and why it mattered to both of us. And he asked like why I had such a strong faith and like where, what made me believe it so much because he was grappling with it himself. So I gave him my stories and we were just like super, we were just absolutely naked. And as far as our souls go, like just totally open about it and talking about it, which was, I think it's just a scary conversation because when you have deep-seated values or deep-seated faith it's like you could easily be considered you might be afraid that somebody will think that you're crazy mm. like if you have an extreme value in i don't know honesty which is a silly example but if you are like hardcore about being honest and if somebody tells a white lie and you break up with them like that would be you would think that somebody thinks that you're crazy for not being able to tell a white lie or something like that
So I think that's just a really deep soul conversation that we had to have, but it was scary. Well, so, and the reason why it's scary is because there's such a risk involved. Right. There's a massive risk that things are going to fall apart. Right. Because if I, if I'm, if I'm not in accordance with your values and that means this is done yes exactly and that's terrifying because yes. then that brings up all the other things but i think it does work in this downward fashion because the ambition is what causes you to change because you can live a comfortable life yeah and in order to be ambitious means you have to address your insecurities with each other so in order to be ambitious with each other, you have to have these, all these things following together. And then once you have those insecurities, it's like, okay, well, what's the values that these insecurities are going to be grounded by? Because the values are what allow you to connect at all times. Because you and I value connection. We value communication. And if that wasn't a, co a cohesive value that we had in our relationship, it wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. And so... I think the biggest thing was being able to risk actually talking about it mm -hmm. and saying at that point we had already been thinking about like, is this going to work? Yeah. Is it gonna, are we going to break up? Like we moved to Los Angeles. Are we going to break up? This is going to be the end of our relationship. What's that actually look like? Who am I going to live with? What's that all look like? Mm -hmm. These are real thoughts. I think that both of you and I were having and you have to risk that in order to have a happy relationship. That's true. Because what's the point? Like if the answer is no, it's no. That sucks, but yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was the story is that it, obviously we're still together. So we chatted about it and it, ended up, it. it ended up having a, a good outcome well, and so openness. The, the biggest thing is that I think it allowed you to see that my values were the same as yours. Yes. Because I value the same things. Like if faith teaches you how to, treat people it teaches you charity it teaches you honesty and integrity it teaches you love and peace then those are the same values of life that i had and i think that, that was the communication point but it also showed me the value of what you had for you and i think i even remember telling you like i so badly want to have what you have right exactly and it was the, I think the biggest thing that needed to happen between that in that conversation outside of just establishing values was the value specifically of openness. Mm -hmm. Because if you weren't going to be open to finding your own faith or finding faith in something, then it was going to be, it was going to feel like I was dragging us through this like positive life when you didn't want to come or something of the like. Well, so I think it, that was important. I think it would have taken massive amounts of suppression in order to make it through that because like you would have had to suppress your faith right exactly like i wouldn't be able to talk about it at all and that just wouldn't have worked um yes so and then let's tie a bow on this what lesson is that so like someone's struggling with values struggling with you know teaching urge connecting i guess rather with the inherent values of who they are at a deep level. Cause like, I'm a nice person. You're a nice person. We connected for a year and a half. 
at the same quote unquote values. Oh yeah, I can answer this. You know what I mean? Like the, the topical values were the same, yeah. but the deeper values of life weren't, weren't articulated or clear. Mm-hmm. So what, what would you say like is the lesson or the takeaway that someone can actually like implement that strategy or have that conversation? Well, I think that, yeah, well, with, when it comes to having that communication and that openness, that's the most important thing. But I do want to say this because I would ask myself if you're in a relationship, if that person is the exact same as they are right now in 50 years, will you still love them? Mm. If your answer is no, then you need to address things. You need to. Otherwise, it's not going to work. You're going to have expectations that are not going to be met. Or if you don't have the conversation, like you're going to have to accept the inevitable that you're probably going to be unhappy. Mm. Yeah. So I think being able to answer that question for myself, if I didn't have the conversation with you and I thought that if I, if I was right thinking that you had no faith and you were not open and you were super close-minded to me and what I believed in, then we would be miserable or we wouldn't work. If I didn't have that conversation, I would be super anxious or uncomfortable and we wouldn't work. But because that was so important to me, I needed to have an answer. Like I needed to know if we were on the same page and be open about it. And because we were both open to hearing and respecting one another, that's what was important from that conversation. Mm. It's fascinating because it seems that all our great conversations happen in Airbnbs. It's so true. It's the, it's the neutral space. That's what it is. That's actually true. So I think one thing I would say is that if you are in need of these conversations with your spouse, you need to have neutral ground. Neutral ground. Like take yeah. a vacation with each other. Yeah, it's true. Go on a trip. Like, and I think that people make this massive buildup in their mind. It's like, oh well, I can't pay money to go on a five day trip. It's like, then go to the most. Go to the holiday. Yeah, go to the closest uh, bed and breakfast. Yeah. Go take an Airbnb yeah. trip. Go to the state that's next to you do something yeah i think that i think that you have to have neutral space because none of our none of our biggest breakthroughs have happened when we were yeah that's interesting because even like because like the like the car like was where we would talk yeah always and it wasn't on a walk yeah or on a walk like we'd go for a walk and we'd be like okay we need to talk about this and then that one happened in an airbnb in um miami and then the next one is really important is addressing doubts mm-hmm. in your long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, this is obviously a little bit fresher, but I remember last year we were in New Hampshire and I had already actually decided to propose, I was say get engaged, like you had no choice, <laughs> but to propose to Lindsay, I decided that in San Francisco while I was on a business trip. Um, a mastermind. I remember going to this mastermind with uh, Michael Zeller and his the Rising Stars mastermind. And I was like, I just can't imagine Lindsay ever not being a part of this with me. And so I told everyone there that I'm going to propose to her next month. And I got the ring, I got everything set up. And then we traveled to New Hampshire and I'm like planning everything out. And then we're in our, our house because we have a friend of ours who let us rent his house. And we started talking about marriage and children and and our long-term life and i remember you 
I'll let you kind of take the ball from there. But remember you saying like, oh, I don't know if this is like, like I'm afraid or whatever. Like it was just a ca casual conversation because you had no idea I was actually going to propose. This is true. Yeah. Well, it was just like, it's just one of those things that you know you have to address because it's so like tangible. And like, I'll still like handle those doubts from time to time because I think that they're normal because you, when you're going into live like your entire life with somebody, either you're not thinking that far, if you're not afraid of it, or maybe you're just fearless. But I think doubts will pop up from time to time of just like, holy shit, like we're spending our life together. What if it doesn't work? What if we're meant for somebody else and we just are, have been together for so long that we don't even know it? What if, like, what if, what if, what if, what if we hold each other back? What if everything doesn't work out? What if we end up miserable? What if we divorce? What if there's somebody who's supposed to be there for you that you can't find because you're with me or vice versa? And it's like all of those thoughts are, I think everybody has them, but nobody wants to talk about them because they feel wrong and they feel like they have some type of implication that if you have them, then that's actually what has to happen. It's like, oh, well, you need to break up then because you have to go into a marriage with zero doubts. And I think you, you get to that place by having an understanding that doubts are there, but you both have them and it's okay. And you work through them. So that was just, it was really in my heart that I needed to bring that up. So, cause I was, I was acting weird. I was like, well, what's wrong? And I was like, I just don't know. I don't know if we're supposed to be together. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe we're not, I don't know. And it was like, I don't want to think that, but that's in my heart and I don't know why. And I wish it wasn't. And so it was like, we kind of just talked about that and Brian expressed that he was scared too and stuff like that. It's normal to be scared. Yeah. It's normal to be scared. It's normal to have doubts. And I think that having doubts shows you that you're you're thinking about it and you're interpreting what you're feeling because if, because everyone's going to have doubts in everything they do, like, is this going to work? How's this going to be fear of the future? And that ultimately means you're outside of your body. You're thinking about things that aren't yeah. normal and you're not, you're, yeah, you're, you're anxious about everything. You're, you're trying to interpret things that don't even exist. And to be able to address that means that you can seek to gain clarity on what you're actually going through in that present moment. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't work. Like it was one piece of it, like thought. I was like, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe we end up not liking each other. Maybe we end up like not being perfect for each other, but it's normal to have doubts and it's okay to have doubts. And it matters more of what the doubts are. Mm -hmm. And I, I always said like, whatever happens in life, I would much rather risk the opportunity of not meeting that person I was quote unquote supposed to meet and having that be this totally different thing. I'd rather miss that than miss the opportunity to spend my whole life with you building this whole thing that we're doing and the capacity that we're doing it and having all these memories together. That's what I said. Yeah. So that's, that was how it got brought up. But it, I think all of this, not all of this, but two, three, and four are all like, you just have that like deep discomfort and that little ball in your stomach or your chest. And you just like really just try to fight, fight it back and make it go away. And it doesn't. 
And then you have to bring it up and talk about it and just be willing to say it and listen to whatever the other person has to say. I don't know how it feels on the receiving end because I feel like I'm always the one to bring up those like really hard topics. I would say that it matters that if you are on the receiving end that you take a breath, you internalize what's what you're experiencing. And I what I would say is, like I said, I think that each one of these examples, and so I love the way that we did this, is funneling into the next, because what you learn through the first experience of ambition is like hostility. Like I need to be hostile, I need to fight this out. I need to like, we need to like battle this out because I need to make you understand. And then once you address okay, maybe there's a breakthrough there and you're able to do what you want. Second part is, oh, well, actually there's insecurities, which means I need to understand myself. There's values at number three, which means I need to communicate and articulate myself. And then as a byproduct of that, when you talk about these long-term doubts, mm. you need to be willing to listen and communicate. Yeah. So as the person on the receiving end, I would say that you just need to be able to listen because if someone's asking something, First off, most people don't ask questions that they don't actually, most people don't ask the right questions. They're just trying to throw something out there. So like you so nervous about all these conversations that well, I'm afraid that we're not gonna be together forever. Was that what you're, what you're really afraid of? Not really. I'm more afraid that maybe you're missing an opportunity because you, I don't want to hold you back. I feel like I'm holding you back. Or maybe there's like, maybe there's this other path you're supposed to go on or Maybe we'd be happier somewhere else. So like, those are the actual doubts. Yeah. The doubts aren't the thing. The doubts are just the label. It's like, when someone's like, oh, I want to get healthy. It's like, okay, well, what does that look like? And then you articulate that down. You bring it down to like, what, what would that actually mean for you? And you, by the end of the problem, you ask that enough times, you have a distinct solution that you're trying to address the problem too that you want. And so you have to be willing to ask good questions. We have to also be willing to interpret it and listen. And I don't think that that's why the fund, like, whatever your problem is or whatever you're going through, it's communication and it's vulnerability. Yeah. It's being vulnerable enough to say, I'm not sure this is, this is what I want. I'm not sure how to, to deal with this, but I'm willing to, and I'm feeling mm -hmm. like, just don't let me down. <laughs> right like to quote john lennon mm -hmm. that's what that song's about that was on the song's about uh his relationship with yoko ono oh because well. he just got out of divorce i see now you guys know about the song don't let me down by the beatles but you have to be willing to to also create space for communication yeah which totally funnels right into number five which is the last one because i think I don't even know if we have which conversations we've had first as far as this goes, but when it comes to intimacy and sex and like all of the, which is the most intimate spot you can be in because you're literally vulnerable and you're emotionally vulnerable. So you have to handle both of them at the same time. And that's, that elicits a lot of, uh, it can elicit a lot of turmoil or it can be the most beautiful thing because you're, you can be so connected or you can be painfully disconnected. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's, there can be a middle ground, but it's like, how do you actually start talking about those things? 
So let's, let's pull it back for a second. So all these different areas were internal problems that were more mental and mindset related. Like, okay. Yeah. And so this one was really physical. Yes. So for you, what, what made it so that we had a oh, challenge? Had yeah. And had to talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah. So really, I guess to make it as brief as possible with this part, cause it's not as important. I beat my body to the ground for a very long time and my body became um, non-responsive. I suppose to sex and to like intimacy, not intimacy, but to sex, literally to sex. And that was like continuous for a long time. But, but why? So, mean? well, so, cause I think it's important because there's a lot of, like you said, I mean, there's so many clients that I worked with that have similar issues hormonally. Oh, so literally. When yeah. So like what, what actually happened? Cause like you beat your body to the ground, but that doesn't what does mean that actually mean? That's yeah. true. Cause in my head, it's so obvious now because I've studied it for so long now or for a year and for so long. But so basically when I say I beat my body into the ground, I mean that I was really putting a lot of physical stress on my body from working out seven days a week. I was eating not very much food for a long time, which also messed up my hormones a bit. So when you think about putting so much stress in your body, your body has to react to that in some way. And typically that means like shutting off certain hormones that it quote, doesn't really need unquote. So it's like my progesterone was shot. My estrogen was low and all of these hormones contribute to you, you responding to sex mm -hmm. because it's they're, they're your hormones that want you to procreate. So if you don't have those, then you don't have a desire for sex, like AKA your libido's low. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other things that will cause um, physical response or non-response in this way. So because I had beaten my body for so long, I didn't realize this, but my body had essentially like shut off my libido and my physical response to sex. And so that forced us to have to have a conversation at some point because I was not, I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't showing up the way that I wanted to show up because I wasn't feeling like myself, I suppose. So I had to bring it up because it wasn't, I didn't think it was fair to me or to Brian. So I, we ended up having like a conversation about how it didn't feel as great for me, or I just wasn't, it hurt sometimes or like different things like that, which is really like, you might think that's like just purely a physical thing, but it's a real emotional like discussion because you don't like, I didn't want him to think that it was his fault because it wasn't. But that's the fear of bringing up that conversation. It's like, well, what's really here? Like, am I, what am I, is there mental pieces of this? Like, am I afraid for some reason? Am I scarred? Am I emotionally like distraught? And it's just, you don't know. So it's really scary to bring up something that you don't quite have answers to yet. Mm -hmm. But once I did, and we actually talked about it, that's when I actually felt like I had permission to go investigate myself and be like, okay, is there actually validity to my emotions? Maybe not. So I like, if there's any fear of like, maybe I'm not attracted to him anymore. And that wasn't true at all. Well, one thing that happened too in that process is you kept neglecting it. You kept neglecting your body and like fixing the problem. I'm just waiting for it to fix yeah, itself. Yeah, like it's yeah, just gonna fix true. itself because you didn't want to address it with me and yourself. Yeah. And I remember it's after scary. we addressed it, I was like, you need to take care of this because if not, you're not gonna be able to have children. Like the risk yeah. of not having children is vastly diminished 
if you don't have progesterone because that's essentially what helps to make it so that this you can hold a baby yeah you can hold a baby it, it keeps the membrane together um the other piece is that if you don't have your hormones in order there's so many different health conditions whether you're a man or a woman that can come up and for women it, it causes early onset osteoporosis mm -hmm. so it's like you need to take care of yourself Lindsay. and i think i had like a bad dream about something bad happening and i was like i don't care what you gotta do go take care of it spend spend the money spend the time we'll take care of us make it a priority and i think that it was just so scary for you but the thing is is like it's so common whether you're a bodybuilder or not yeah a lot of women especially, deal with it well, especially with uh, hormone replacement therapy which i know is like obviously like you're talking about two different stratospheres of it whether it's trt or gender reassignment but with women it's birth control you know birth control is a form of hormone replacement therapy yes so a lot of people they get off birth control and their body gets all messed up and they don't know why. Yeah. And they're like, what's going on? So it's like, if you're, if you're to my ladies who would listen, if you're not feeling satisfied or not wanting sex or just frustrated by your body's lack of response or whether it's mental or physical, that can be all tied into your hormones. And then also your mental habits will have to kind of work around it. So I, in order for me to work through that, I had to get Brian on my team because otherwise he was just going to think that he was doing something wrong and that wasn't the case. So it took a lot of communication and a lot of that doesn't feel good. Can we please try this? Or like just trying to get him to be really patient with me. And so it was very much a challenging thing to work through on my end, but it does, it, it, nothing bad can come of communicating, I think. I think it only helps, even if it's painful at first to, to talk about, I suppose. I don't know how you, I think it's important for you to talk about the receiving end of that as well. Yeah, well, I think that, I think that communication is huge because especially with something like sex and intimacy, there's gonna be standards that each one of you have in your mind. Mm, true. <laughs> um, and it was interesting because you started telling everyone on social media about how, how your oh, yeah. sex was, your sex life was off. and that made me feel really in, insecure about myself. Cause I'm like, well, cause, cause I knew what the actual problem was, but it made me feel like perhaps that other people would interpret that differently. And that would result in them looking at me differently as a man. And we had to have that conversation about like, what was actually happening for you. And I had to be all in, in invested in you rather than my ego. Mm -hmm. And so, when you're going through this process, I mean, I wanted to know, I was excited for you. When you finally got your period back, like I was so excited for you because you, you had went three years, three and a half, yeah. three and a half years of having your period, which is a drastic sign of how messed up your hormones were. Mm -hmm. And so it was more important for me to love you and take care of you and understand that it's about you because you're not doing anything wrong. It's not me. And I had to be comfortable in my own skin and just be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the biggest thing. So I'm on the receiving end. You have to ask yourself like, what's actually, are you secure enough to handle this, to handle this conversation? Yeah. Um, and the way you get secure enough is you just understand with empathy mm. because no one wants to feel that way. Yeah. No one wants to feel like they can't have sex with someone. No one wants to feel like their partner isn't attracted to them. 
and that's not how you felt. And I could have easily interpreted that as that if I was not willing to listen. Yes. If I had closed down and been like, you know what? It is that. Then that's on you. Well, and so that, but that comes down to really being able to step away from your ego and say, do I actually love this person? And if I love them, I'm going to support them. And that's more important than whatever standard of sex that I have in my mind. But I also have to communicate it to you. Yeah. Because you don't, you can't read my mind and I can't read yours. That is true. So I think that's the other standard. Yeah. So it was definitely, it was definitely worth the challenge of it. All of this was, but it's like, if we, if I didn't just discuss that with him, I wouldn't have felt more of an, of an urge to go take care of myself. And if I hadn't gotten to take care of myself, then we would have just had to de- deal with it for years. And I probably would have gotten like, not in a good space health wise. And like, but that conversation and being willing to be vulnerable and seen in that way and risk whatever he was going to say that allowed me to take care of myself and us to put us in a much better space. Well, one thing I would say, and this is like a real tangible thing off of that is the communication aspect of what each partner finds attractive or enjoys Mm -hmm. is so important because you you were like, okay, well, this is what I like tangibly enjoy or feels best or whatever. And that necessarily wasn't the same for me. And we had to have a conversation like, Hey, like, you know, it's not going to be one way all the time. And that was one of the biggest frustrations for me is that it kind of was set up like that at first, like it was your way or the highway. And it made me feel, made me feel like my, Desires. Desires didn't matter. Yeah. And once that became a non-factor, it was far easier for us to move forward. Yeah, I agree. And we still, it's not like, oh my gosh, I don't want anybody to think that we're like perfect by any means with this. It's still like, it's still an ongoing conversation. Like all of these things are an ongoing conversation. Absolutely. Uh, Every single one. Well, it's like I started going to church, but when we left Los Angeles, before we left Los Angeles, and that was something that I started to do. That took me almost a year. Yeah, from that first conversation. From the first one conversation. And I don't have, so that was one thing I really wanted to make sure with this podcast is these are what Lindsay and I have done in the space of four and a half years to build the foundation that we have. I personally feel like that we have a really good foundation mm-hmm. based off of the amount of time we spend together based off of our relationship, like actual qualities, our standard of happiness and the peace we have with each other. And we're both entrepreneurs. We're both building companies. We're both building a business together. We're doing all these things while we're also starting our own lives and becoming self-aware and and really doing a lot of interpreting and a lot of internal deep work. And the, the ambition here is not that this sounds like we're on a pedestal, because we aren't like we fight plenty. We have disagreements. We have moments where we're not perfect. And like, even in the course of recording this podcast, like there's been like, there's been parts where like, even in this conversation, I've been like, Oh, like, why does that make me feel that way? Mm-hmm. And oh, okay, well, that's the problem. And I have to yeah, address that thing. Exactly. So, I mean, this isn't like, this isn't by any means a, 
blanket statement about the way your, your relationship has to be. It's just hopefully that there's something tangible that you can address in your life, in your relationships that will add value to who you are and how you're living. Yep, exactly. So I hope that this was really helpful for you guys. Anybody listening, um, these have been just very challenging conversations for us. And we know that if we're feeling challenged in them, um, then other people are too. And I know a lot of my girls deal with these on a regular basis. And so we have these conversations. So hopefully this can at least give you a permission slip Mm -hmm. to go and have maybe one or all of these conversations at some point in your relationship. But I'm glad that you guys got to listen. We do have two questions on my Facebook from people about relationships. So I figured we can dive into them quick. So the first one is from Hannah. I know this isn't super deep, but household chores. How do you split that up or do y'all, I love that this used y'all, just do what you see needs to be done. Believe it or not, this is what bothers me most in my relationship when he is expecting me just to do all the things including pick up his mess. <laughs> I'll add into that one. So uh, you can answer the other part, but I have come to this realization on a very internal basis that if I truly care about something and it really bothers me, I'm going to take the responsibility to do it. So Brian doesn't really get upset if the dishes are dirty when we wake up, but it really bothers me. So like, if that's one thing that almost every night, like, I'll just do it. Like, if it really bothers me, I'll just do it. And then if I really want him to do it, I just ask. Like, I don't, I used to nag. And now I don't anymore. I'm just like, hey, can you do these, please? Men, can I jump in? Yeah. Men, just do the things that your your significant other asks you to, but also set the standard of what is expectable or expected. Oh. So, like, if I see, like, that the laundry has to be done, I go and do the laundry. If I see the dishes have to be done, mm-hmm. like there's a level of like have to be done right. and a level of that's, that's, there's dishes in the dishwasher or dish in the sink. Um, then just do them. They're your, your, your wife or your girlfriend is not your slave. <laughs> just own yourself. You swept the floor today. Yeah. I, well, you. but then we have different roles. Like I, I don't do toilets. I do the toilets. I sweep. <laughs> I'll vacuum. Like I do the very like, things that are more like the know. monthly tasks the weekly tasks yeah and then you're the daily you're, but then like i'll also cook for you from time to time but there's different things that you enjoy and there's different things that i enjoy so it's it's more about just setting the standard of what each person has to expect so i, I guess we would say that we have kind of chores yeah that are distinct because i'll do more i would say that typically in, in the past i would do more like the shopping like I used to love going grocery shopping and then you kind of took ownership of that. So it shifts from time to time. But I would say that as a collective unit, when you ask me to do something, can you help me with this? I, I will. Yes. So I think it's more about communication and that value of communication. And, and knowing if you're, if you're a perfectionist in a certain way, just owning that and doing the thing. What? Most important piece that any of these people can understand or that I think that Hannah can understand this example is the five love languages. So you need to understand how your husband interprets love and how they actually interpret you feeling affectionate towards them. Because if, for instance, if he responds really well to words of affirmation, if you can input 
if you can input that into how you're asking him to do something, then he's going to respond better. But if you're expecting that, for instance, like your love language is a surprise, you value surprises. So you're valuing him surprising you with doing the dishes and that's not a value for him, then it's going to be two different things. So I would, I would suggest diving into that. What's your take? Yeah, I agree. You just said one in a funny way, cause it would be acts of service, Okay. but same thing. So like Brian's is acts, I think your number one was acts of service, like doing things, taking care of the house, like making sure that things are taken off your plate or that you aren't getting mentally cluttered from clothes being everywhere, dishes being everywhere. So I know that and I do it because it also bothers me. So I do it for both reasons. Yeah. I hope that's helpful. That's good. And then the last one is from Taylor. How you guys have developed such strong trust amidst being so public on social media. I really admire your guys' relationship. Oh, thank you so much, Taylor. Um, what would you say is how we have so much trust with being so public? Mm. I think we talk about most of the things that we post. And I can explain that because there was a time that Brian posted something on somewhere and then I didn't. He was like, well, why didn't you post anything? Because I posted something. And then I posted something because he said that. And he was like, well, you're only posting that because I want you to, not because you actually want to. And so that required a conversation about like, well, I felt bad because blah, blah, blah. And then me posting that sex video about our sex life, really about my own struggles, but he, him taking it as our sex life was being publicized. Um, we had to have co several conversations about that. Like, I never talked about your inability to perform as a thing. Like, that was never a thing. So it's like, we, I think we really talk about the things that we post when, and whatever, and we, we ask each other too, if it's something really vulnerable that like I'm sharing about you or that could be perceived or affect you, I'm very careful about that. Does that make sense? That's my take. Well, I would also say that what's there to be, what's there not to trust each other about? Meaning like from a real standpoint, like you and I, like as, as true and as honest as it is, like, like when a girl messages me and has said like, I'm attractive in the past, like, okay, that's cool. Or if a guy messages you, like sometimes I want to send him a funny video back, but it's usually that it's just kind of seeing social media as a thing that we do to help people rather than a way for us to get attention. True. That's a good answer. So it's not like I'm out there fishing for people who are attractive women to go and write me and see my body so that I can become a sexual image or something for someone to have affection towards and the same for you. I mean, I think if you look at our content, our content's very heart and soul focused. Like you, you as a female, um, aren't sexualizing your body. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was thinking of, a. I was thinking that she asked how our relationship is strong when we post about each other all the time, as opposed to how do you have trust when you are posting your body and then you get a response. So those would be two different answers. So I guess mine answers a different question, but when it comes to trust, I totally agree with you because that's accurate hundred percent. And I would say with, with what you said is I make sure, 
and I think it's is mutual. It's very, very much the case that what we do when we post about each other is raw and real and honest. Like I never post like, oh, this is my woman crush Wednesday as like just a casual thing. Like if I feel compelled to tell people how much I love you, it's because I feel compelled to tell people how much I love you. Right. It's not like I'm trying to tell people, I'm not trying to sell people on how good of a person I am because of how much I love you. Mm-hmm. I just love you. Mm-hmm. And I love you too. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> but well, that's the thing is like, well, we have to sell this image that we're a really happy and perfect couple. So everyone thinks that we're happy and perfect. It's like, we are happy, but we certainly aren't perfect. Yeah, that's true. And we talk about those things. And I, I think that that's the core, like the amount of, so if I could say, like, I think that this podcast has probably been the most raw and real that we've been. Yeah, it made me slightly uncomfortable. It made me so, yeah. And like, like talking about it, like all these different things that have happened, like we've started off, we've fallen, we've failed, we've had really, messed up circumstances that have caused us to have doubts and we've had all these things happen but the the string between everything is communication and vulnerability and respect and i think if you can have those three then you'll have trust and if someone that you are with is not able to address their insecurities then it might be a sign that perhaps it's not the right person for you. yeah i agree anything else that you want to no, I said I said my final piece before you said your question, so you can tie a bow. That was a pretty solid bow on it. I feel. Yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. So thank yeah. you all for tuning in. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Let, let us know what you think of this podcast. Please feel free to shout us out. Leave us a review on Insta or on iTunes. I'm sorry. And let us know what you think of this podcast. We are gaining momentum and steam. It's really cool to see the average downloads increasing every single week. And I'm really excited on a personal note about this community building up. And Lindsay and I are going to have an exciting announcement in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. We aren't ready to announce it, but just get ready to revitalize your life and your body. So on that note, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to my lovely fiance for being here. Thanks, Mom. You're so special and you're so beautiful. <laughs> and I love you so much. Oh, thank you. I love you too. Are you ready to go for a workout? No, but we're going to do it. We're going to go do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Yeah. Okay. And just remember the journey starts with you. See y'all. Bye, guys. Thank you for tuning in today to My Journey. I hope this episode brought some value and light into your life. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and shout us out on your Instagram stories so we can share this message with as many people as possible. And if you're ready to start your own journey, reach out to me at brianpickwist.com forward slash start. And until next time, thank you again. And remember, the journey starts with you. I'll see you guys.